Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The death toll from unrelenting western wildfires continues to climb. Officials have confirmed a firefighter was killed. The death toll rising overnight as conditions take a turn for the worse. The tropical system cuts a path of destruction through the Caribbean. Watches and warnings are now posted along Florida's Gulf Coast. I'm Carlos Prieto. This is Politico Dispatch. Crisis in Texas is accelerating. Millions still without power or water. At least a half a dozen states are under excessive heat alerts. Year after year, climate change spurs natural disasters that touch on nearly every state in the country, causing incalculable financial and personal costs on their path. But here's what a lot of people don't know. There's one particular effect of climate change that kills hundreds around the country and that threatens even more people at their work. Extreme heat. The past decade has been the warmest on record, and the five hottest days were all recorded in the last five years. You just stand around and you're like, I, you can't breathe, it's so hot, at least for me. Today, Politico's Zach Coleman and e News Ariel Wittenberg have the story of one of these workers and the challenges for the federal government in guaranteeing heat protections for American labor. My name is Maria Pineda. I'm from El Salvador, and I've lived in the United States for 25 years. Who is Maria Pineda? Where is she from and where does she live? So Maria Pineda is from El Salvador. She set up in Florida. Maria, how old are you? 49. Okay. And she worked in a, a fern growing house. And uh, she, she took the job because it was on offer. She took the job because she didn't have to learn the language. Coming to a new country, this was what was there. But she didn't like the job. Bueno, empecé a trabajar en la agricultura en el 95. I started working in agriculture in 1995, and at that time I was working in the heat and the cold. En este en la diferencia que siento de ese ese tiempo a este últimos años que he trabajado en la agricultura es el calor. And the difference I see between then and now in the last few years that I worked is um the intensity of the heat. It's grueling work. And it's hot work. She works out of a greenhouse. Um, they're enclosed areas with plastic, um, you know, plastic sheeting. And in, in those places, you feel the heat even more. She was constantly sweating. She was constantly dealing with heat effects like skin blotches. I was, I was, I was having dizziness and nausea. Mm-hmm. Feeling like I was suffocating, hard to breathe, difficulty breathing. And she kept trying to figure out what is going on with me. What could this be from? She would go to doctors. Oh. A doctor told her, maybe you're allergic to the sun. But she knew it was something more. And what it was is heat exhaustion. And a lot of people face it. If you think about any of the heat waves that we've experienced lately, they're setting records, right? Palm Springs, California hit 113 degrees today. There's Phoenix, set to blister its records. But the high heat will reach beyond the desert this week. Billings, Montana, forcasting 104 degrees. Casper, Wyoming, 102. Well, it's City, easier to set records when you're starting from a higher floor. And in all cases across the country, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it in a place like Florida too, 
where you're closer to the tropics and you are certainly feeling uh, higher temperatures and you're, you're starting at a baseline now that you know every day you wake up for work you your body is more taxed than it would have been 20 30 years ago and especially for agriculture workers for construction workers people who work in the outdoors there's so many variables here uh, that affects how you internalize heat and how you feel heat and if you're in these outdoor exposed industries you're some of the most vulnerable on the planet could maria just take a sick day if she was feeling too hot if she was feeling like the temperatures were too abrasive for her she could but keep in mind that maria was only making 350 dollars a week at this job and she was paid on production which is to say even though her employer said yeah you can go take a water break you can go get some shade, you can go get some rest. She did not feel empowered to do that. When I couldn't afford to, um, to take a day off, um, I would try and just take some mm -hmm. medicine. She was also operating in an environment where she didn't know if there would be another job that could accommodate her with the language skills. And, and just, you know, she was a nurse in El Salvador, but she didn't have that accreditation here in the U.S., so this is what she had. Right, so it, it seems like she was just backed into a corner financially, legally, language-wise. It was just the job that she she could take. So given that, given that that's her setup, how hard would it be to avoid the worst effects of, you know, uh, heat exhaustion for, for someone like Maria and agricultural workers and people in industries like construction? Well, at one point, you kind of have to have a, an employer that gets it, and not a lot of them do. And a lot of people are working out on job sites, like in a farm, you're not in one centralized location where someone can be like, hey, take a break. You kind of need to know that for yourself. And again, with farm work, a lot of farm workers are paid on production. So you don't want to do that yourself because you're taking money out of your own pocket by taking a break. I think that there's just a lot of people who feel as if they make an issue about the conditions that they won't be invited back. So there are sort of suggestions to employers about how to reduce heat stress. They're not standards, they are suggestions. Such as what? Such as provide water breaks, you know, uh, such as provide an area for shade. And, you know, these are things that are common sense and simple, mm -hmm. um, but they've never been standardized. Like only a couple of states have rules regarding this. and. Even, even if you were to provide rules and standards along those lines, mandating water breaks and mandating shade for when people are stressed out, uh, you know, you, you don't know whether they could even be enforced. We get into the territory of you're talking about enforcement, the, the challenge that the, any administration would have, even if these rules were in place, uh, what, what are these challenges other than short staff? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the challenge here is that every person is different. So when you talk about how heat affects an individual, there's not one uniform individual. Now there's ways in which you can kind of uh, look at the metrics here and you know, say a person with this condition uh, or at this weight or with this history, medical history should uh, you know, work X amount of hours in the sun at this heat index. But that's so many logistical things to have to think about, especially if you're an employer, 
uh, it can be a little cumbersome to think about that every day. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be done. I'm just saying, think about your average workplace. Are they going to follow those rules? I'm curious, where is Maria now? What is she doing these days? Maria is now working at a hospital laundry facility. She did have to accept less money. She's only making minimum wage in the new job when she first started. She quit her job. It cut her earnings, but it got her out of the sun. Since then, she's um, been there a while and she's been able to now make more money. And the kidney problems she was experiencing that were giving her lower back pain, the skin splotches, the just constant exhaustion and fatigue, that was remedied basically by getting out of the sun. Hmm. So, you know, she is happier now and she works with farm worker advocates to uh, also inform them about their rights and uh, about the illnesses that come with heat exhaustion. Sí, o sea, te dan unos minutitos para que break, pero son a cuando ellos dicen, no cuando la persona lo necesita. So she said they, they followed the rules and the fact that they had water there for people to drink. But she said at the same time, you're being pushed to do production. We heard from the conditions that workers, some workers live through, especially in industries like agriculture or construction, people who are outside a lot, and how much worse these conditions are getting, partly due to climate change. What kind of solutions could employers provide to these kinds of challenges? Yeah, so it's actually really simple to protect workers from heat, basically to provide water, rest, and shade to workers. And if you want to get a little bit more complicated, you know, as the temperatures get higher and higher, you want the amount of time that folks are spending hydrating, spending resting, spending in the shade or in, for indoor workers just in cool areas that should be increasing as temperatures rise. I think for any kind of work, the employer and, and the person who's providing the workspace, uh, they have to meet a certain level of requirements. I wonder if these guidelines are up to speed with the new challenges that, that these industries are, are facing. Right. So OSHA, you know, will often write regulations about specific hazards. The legislation that founded OSHA says that employers have to keep it their workers safe from hazards. So that's something that OSHA can use in a case like heat where there is not a specific standard saying this is what you have to do. The problem comes for heat in in that heat can in some ways be very subjective. And so that that's really meant that OSHA's hands especially recently has been tied to address heat even as heat is becoming more dangerous for so many workers across the country. Right. Even if they were trying to tackle the issue, it's it comes to so many subjectivities and underlying conditions that it's not like a one size fits all kind of uh, thing that you can write easily. So actually the military has had these kinds of heat protections we've been talking about for decades. Um, back to the, the Vietnam War. And so what happened after the Deepwater Horizon spill was that the Department of Labor basically forced BP to use those heat standards from the military for the cleanup crews who were going to be working on the Gulf Coast in the summer to clean up this oil. You're in these basically plastic suits that have like zero breathability. And so sometimes during this cleanup, the folks who were cleaning up the oil would really be resting for 50 minutes and only doing the cleanup for 10 minutes out of an hour when the temperatures got so hot. Could that be kind of like a, 
a guideline or a route that I don't know if, if advocates are looking to get something like that for especially industries like we're like I was saying, a construction agriculture where people are outside a lot, especially during really hot months that are getting even hotter? Yeah, certainly um, advocates and even former OSHA chief um, David Michaels, who led the agency during the Obama administration, would say that that BP cleanup shows exactly how effective um, an OSHA regulation would be and and shows the need for it. In the Biden administration, it, it spent a lot of time talking about environmental justice. So I wonder if it seems like the Biden administration and OSHA is going to act on it this time around. So this is a very wonky signal to point to, <laughs> but the Biden administration released their regulatory agenda last month, and that's the list of here's all of the things that we are planning to do, would like to do when it comes to writing rules. And they included on that um, that they are going to be seeking information at OSHA about how and whether they could write a heat standard. You know, to most people, that sounds very wishy-washy. <laughs> you know, they're not saying we're going to propose this, we're going to propose that. Um, but it's definitely farther than the agency's ever gotten before. It's a signal, if a very small one, that they are seriously considering these things. Zach Coleman covers energy and climate change for Politico. Ariel Wittenberg covers public health for ENE News. You can find their full story on politico.com and on enenews.net. We're also going to leave a link to the show in our show notes. Today's episode included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And for a daily look into the world of climate and energy policy, listen to Politico Energy. In less than 10 minutes, our team of energy reporters will get you up to speed with the latest and the biggest news on energy and the environment. I'm Carlos Prieto. Thanks for listening.